that. Yeah. I'm surprised, actually. Shut up. The podcast is starting. Right. Mm. Or keep talking. That's fine. Dead air. No, there's music. Oh, I know, I know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. I'm Joey Bonnier, and across from me, Tim Snow. Old Timmer. Then we get Derek Laporte. Hey. Across from him, Sean Faw. Sean Faw. Gentlemen, what do we watch today? We watch 1955's French heist classic. Riffy 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 Directed by uh, Jules Jules Dassin 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 I don't know how to say it hmm. he, he was an American expatriate right? Yeah Yeah so probably yeah. Dassin Dassin Sure He he plays an Italian in this film He do Yeah Which oh. one's he? Is he Mario? Cesar oh, well. figured, oh dude That's weird yeah. I did not know that Did yeah. not know that either Wow Saw the whole picture Didn't really like it. Yeah <laughs> He's got a good little mustache Don't he A beautiful mustache Very nice mustache Okay Well um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive right in gentlemen First impressions mm-hmm. Derek What are your first impressions It's a nice impressions? mustache mm-hmm. I think Been over yeah, It's pretty good it's Good mustache Good looking uh, No it's, it's good I've seen it before Uh I mean, it's kind of the, it's, it's a solid genre picture, you know, mm. it is very much exactly what it is. Um, and I think it established uh, a lot of stuff that people still pull from today, you know, like, I mean, um, there's a lot of, well, I say today, I, I don't remember the last heist film that I saw that actually had a build up showing us like them preparing for it the, the way Oceans this movies. does. Time I mean, job. yeah, the uh, Ocean's 8 really didn't have that though. Um, Some of them. Yeah, no one saw that. Yeah, but 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 yeah, but but at least up until like, you know, the early 2000s, mid 2000s. <laughs> Early 2010s, I guess. It comes in waves. It comes yeah. in waves, there's, and yeah, yeah, like every genre, there's ups and downs, strikes and gutters, and yeah. you know, this one is um, probably due for a resurgence now that we're out mm-hmm. of comic book movies. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess we'll move on. Uh, yeah, we'll move impressions? on because yeah, I, it's good. It's a good genre <laughs> picture. That's my basic, you know, first. Imp- I mean, I've watched it a few times before, and there's a lot to lot to glean from different parts of it, especially the whole really quiet like heist sequence that happens in it, um, with a lot of like moments of tension that are pretty good. Even with the jokes, I thought that we were saying during the whole thing, like a lot of that still kind of worked tension wise mm-hmm. for me, you know, Sean, what is your first impression? Um, didn't have to read as much as I thought I would, which is definitely a plus. Uh, got to actually watch things happening. Um, it was uh, pretty decent. Like Derek said, it was a, very much a genre picture. Um, it, I, I'm not sure if this established or, um, made a strong foothold in, but there was a lot of things that were uh, reminiscent of many other movies I've seen. A lot of this movie felt very familiar, even though I've never seen it before. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I think that it was, um, 
It was definitely a genre movie. I, I, I liked how you guys said that. But it wasn't just a heist movie. It was kind of a heist movie at first, then it switched to a ransom movie. It was like a mm-hmm. Ransom with Mel Gibson. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was good. It was a pretty just enjoyable film. I, I, I don't know if it's like- There's always complications. As far as what? Like after the heist, like almost every heist movie. Sure, you're like, right. You know, it doesn't just end with them walking out of the building with a pile of gold. Yeah. There's like, you know, always the, oh, fuck, someone's going to fuck someone. Yeah, now. the plot's going to be somewhere. Yeah. Usually it, it's not a child who's kidnapped and it turns into that kind of thing. But yeah. the heist usually ends in the second act. No, you're right. Um, I did like it, though. I think it's enjoyable. I don't think it's like the best heist movie I've ever seen or anything like that. But it definitely set a lot of the uh, tropes and the, you know, the, the style from all these other movies that came for after it. So I did appreciate that. Um yeah, it's it's nice. It's it's a little delightful. Tim, I wish I wouldn't uh, be going last because I don't really have any much meaningful yeah. stuff to add. Other than you know, I agree with I I agree with a lot of a lot of what you guys were saying. Um, it's a really it's a fun genre movie. It's not it's not you know uh, a a classic monument to philosophy. Um, but uh, I I did notice uh, a lot of familiarity as the as the film was mm-hmm. going on. It's very French, and I loved that. <laughs> um, I've got a really subjective love for French culture and French film, hmm. um, and I'm really excited to be part of this podcast because I think it's going to allow me to uh, to see a to lot be of more French. To well, to see a lot of French films that I wouldn't otherwise have taken the time to go see or to you know to sit down and watch, mm. and also it's an environment in which I can pay better attention. You know, if I'm watching it by myself, I'll fall the fuck asleep. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, the, there's just there's certain there's certain decisions that a lot of French filmmakers seem to make, uh, cinematography wise, that I think are always really interesting. Just like odd. There was this moment where uh, where they were uh, marching Caesar uh, to where he would eventually die. Um, spoiler, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and they they cut into this really kind of almost awkward POV shot, and it just seemed like the right choice for a for a reason that I can't quite mm-hmm. explain. You know, yeah, sort of uh, je ne sais quoi. You know, yeah, kind of, and especially because they like bookend that. So yeah, they yeah. come back out of it, like mm-hmm. with that same reverse shot. Yeah, and, yeah. and it, it's just like, it, it, it's hard for me to describe because like, certainly because I'm, I'm definitely not a cinematographer. Hats off to anybody that can, that can understand cinematography on the level that some of these guys do. Um, but there, there's just a, there's a, there's a spirit to it that's just amazing. And, and that's present in this for me. And I guess the... Uh, I would point out that the bookend to me almost makes it feel like not a POV shot. So like when we're going in, it feels like a POV, but then coming back out, the the POV would be walking backwards and that doesn't feel like what the character was well, doing. Well, that was that was what uh that was what uh Tony was doing. He was backing away. He was backing out of the room. Was he? I thought Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I've been wrong. So before. it was a swapped POV. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, it, it's the an example of uh this so I always really liked this shot, but I had no like way to describe it. And then I remember like a, a first, I think semester in film school, and uh, somebody basically was like, "Oh, you mean like a step in POV?" And that's kind of what it is because it's a POV, then he gets thrown into the mm. own shot in which we yeah. think is his POV, yeah. and it yeah, kind of yeah. breaks that thing. 
There's another. Uh, I've never heard that man, term for it before. Yeah, it's it's a it's a valid way to describe it though because it does it 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 does get across that idea. And there's other movies that it's done in. I'm trying to it's, think. It's um, a valid term. It's just a confusing shot to me. It's a little confusing, I guess. the 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 thing that the thing that they have difficulty with in a lot of cases, and there's a Woody Allen movie. I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it's like Star. Uh, what, I can't remember which one. It's the one about making movies. He made oh, a movie about making deconstructing movies. Harry. I don't think that that's. There's a lot of movies that yeah, he made about movie. He making did movies. make a lot of movies about making movies. Anyway, there's uh, it's one and like it's going into a party and it's like Woody Allen's point of view and it ends up being a step in POV. But you know how like Woody Allen will do like uh, one like long take and he like won't really properly, I guess. Do enough takes of it mm. in this situation that kind of happens because the problem is with the eyeline of any other character who's in it. So this the woman in the in the scene, her eyeline like crosses across camera, and then he steps in. So she goes from like looking directly at the camera to kind of awkwardly looking oh. off camera to like try and guide the audience to. That. So so a lot of times they'll try and do stuff like that to to get it across this was just like he got thrown into it which kind of worked a little better in my opinion um uh but yeah that's that's the term i heard to describe it i don't know yeah i mean it's one of those things where like if you don't think about it too hard it just feels fine yeah but like you know if you start actually thinking about shots and whatnot like it does have a weird perspective to it and and unfortunately like it's such a like those things are like such a cool shot to hear it termed yeah then it almost like takes kind of break, the yeah. fire out of exactly, it which yeah. was kind of like i was like oh yeah, yeah. it feels inventive so someone yeah. has a word for it and right basically like, <laughs> yeah no, that's just the things people do yeah <laughs> uh i almost want to start talking about camera now but let's mm. let's go to you sean anyway what about tim big picture now? big picture well yeah but i thought we'd go over the plot first the picture yeah. could have been bigger they shot it in one three three mistake <laughs> yeah, what was with that letterbox? And this thing? has been big picture by Tim Snow. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, um, I, I suppose the big picture of this is is the fact that it's sort of the concrete that a lot of other heist films seem to have been made out of. Mm -hmm. You know, they they like Derek was saying, um, uh, the you, you haven't seen it in a while, but kind of a staple of the heist movie is mm. learning how to do the steal, you know, and this, you know, it, it was really pleasing to me, the depth that this film the how went it's made into. section. Yeah. Yeah. The how it's mm -hmm. made section of how they're going to do this and them sitting in that basement and figuring yeah. out the alarm. It was a really, it was a really fun sequence and it was, it was probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, yeah. That's when the movie with, picked up for me. I really didn't get until kind when of. they actually kind of yeah because before it was all just like getting the gang back together and uh, we need to get you one last heist well yeah well we start with basically yeah. a, a guy that's a gangster and uh, he's been let out of jail and he meets his girl at the bar and uh, uh, I was pretty impressed from Jump Street with this just in the way that the exposition was dealt with the I exposition agree. in this film was dealt with superbly you learn a lot with a little and it's done with flair. You know, there's there's so many films these days that just fuck up expeditions so bad exposition so bad. 
Uh, both, really. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they just like, I, I just, a lot of films that come out these days, I'm just super disappointed in the exposition. And it's not like I'm making millions of dollars to do this shit, but it, 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 there's, there's better ways to do it. And this movie is a prime example of that. I think I always like to make the analogy of um, in boxing when you when you go for the body, mm. it's put money in the bank. You know, if you put go for body shots in round one, you remember them in round three and seven and nine and ten. And I think they really did a lot of great stuff in the beginning of introducing different characters, the bad guys, the the you know the bad guy's girlfriend. I forget her name. Whatever. You know, the go between mm-hmm. between Tony yeah. and uh, yeah, but like the the way that they explain the relationship between Joe and Tony right. is done in a sentence and it's done perfectly. Yeah. You know, that's your godson. I didn't right. notice any of the and, and it's such a believable, like it's just it's believable dialogue that works perfectly as a tool. And it's you know, it, I was really impressed by that. I wasn't impressed by some of the other exposition. Yeah, some it's, of it was a little ham fisted, yeah. but some I mean, of they were, it was you know, like. They blew their wad a little too quick. Yeah. Also, that whole setup of like having him call him to like get to get some more money, basically for that game, is like you he's know, fresh out of the clink. Way, yeah, it's a good way. It's a good way to to kind of set up the movie and everything. I do think that as far as like the when they're establishing the status quo of his current situation mm. and all that exposition stuff, it is like it. Joey's right. It doesn't really pick up until you actually have the heist and his agreement with it. But it happens a lot, I think, because we almost always see in the the reluctant guy who ends up like joining the thing. First, he says, no, no, I'll never do that. And then he's and then he decides, oh, okay, well, I'll come along on this mission. You know, like the Han Solo kind of thing. You know, you always have that now. And so we've seen it so much that like. I, I can't help sometimes but roll my eyes at that part because I'm yeah. like, let's just get to let's just get well, to where he's doing also, it. You know? moment, but that's that, Campbell. That's, that's refusing the call. That's yeah. like, you know, classic architecture of storytelling. Which it's in so plot, overdone though, that I'm like, a, it's, it's also just especially weak in this particular plot. Because sure, sure. yeah. the it's only not, thing is, that he did between those two decisions is beat the shit out of a lady. Yeah. 1955, yeah. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just... Yeah, there was no reason that he changed his mind. It, 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 there was, there was no, yeah, there yeah. was no motivation there. So, like that kind of struck me a little bit. But also, you know, it's with movies like this, it's kind of like I get it. We got to get to the, you know, mm. we're all we're all heading to the, you know, to the heist. You know, it's it's season eight of Game of Thrones. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We gotta, yeah, gotta refuse the call. Gotta have him refuse the call because you know. Joseph Campbell determined it, so we got to continue to do it forever and ever and ever. I'm in. Well, he more. He said it's based on. uh, Yeah, I know. He articulated (laughs) it based upon based upon all these other like folk tales and and these ancient folklore and all that. There's only like twelve stories and seven characters. Just mix and match them. Yeah. 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 There's (laughs) only like what? How many notes? But then there's only, but then the thing is too, now, now there's only one way to skin a cat, it seems, with like that specific thing. You know, they always have to refuse the call. There's no situation in which they're like, But you can't teach don't. a dog, old dog new tricks. That's true. Hollywood is done being taught everything. Yeah. Now. now they just, all right, guys, you just gotta kill money. the dog. It's time yeah, to give up. Kill the let's, dog. let's turn the podcast off. Hollywood's done, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. All right, let's play match. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying so hard not to mention that. <laughs> um, let's go through the 
plot, Sean? Um, well, yeah, as we, uh, we start with a guy that basically just gets out of jail and, um, he's, uh, uh, meeting up with some old criminal buddies at a, um, what do you call that? A dance club or a supper club or something, you know, the, where the old gangsters hang out and there's, you know, people singing and dancing and whatnot. Um, what's that? The club. Okay. You know, bottle full of bottles. Yeah, the club. You know, Apple like, bottom jeans. Like bottle service in the club? Sure. Okay. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, so, uh, they end up essentially getting together and, uh, deciding to rob a jewelry store or jewelry maker, or it's a jewel heist. Jeweler. A jeweler? Jewel. They call them jewelers. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's pronounced <laughs> Jews. Jesus Christ. Um, what? <laughs> That's so intolerant of you, Joey. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so basically there's a lot of uh, planning of this heist and that's essentially where everything kind of starts getting going. Um, before we get into the, the actual heist though, there's some weirdness with him just randomly beating a girl that he used to be with. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. He forces <laughs> her to strip naked and then beats her up with a belt. And it's just... What? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't under, I don't understand what that was meant to serve for his character. It was in a, the place that it was in in the story seems like it, it was supposed to be the the point at which we decide with him that like yeah, you, yeah, we are not above this game anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Well, before he was he was kind of over over crime. You know, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wasn't in for it. And then after his mm. rendezvous with that poor, poor woman. Was it because she uh, was having dinner with the other dude? Is that why he beat her? I think it yeah. was. It had to do with something. Yeah, because he got caught. I, I, I could have inferred this like erroneously, but mm. I thought like maybe she ratted him out or something. I, I felt like there was something I wasn't getting there. Maybe, you know, yeah. like the mammoth sort of back, yeah. you know, and say one word. The, the, fact, the fact that we're sitting here talking about this is, you know, it exposes the fact that it's just a weak point in the plot. Um, Cause we're not yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think I mean, she's going out with, she, well, she's going out with Gruder. Gruder. Yeah. And she used to go out with Tony and, mm-hmm. But yeah, she hasn't been loyal since he was in the pen. Yeah, she, yeah. Tony's just yeah, pissed like that she's hanging around. With, she was with a gigolo somewhere. And yeah. She thought she loved him. Well, either way, uh, woman beating aside, mm. uh, they decide to go on to this heist, and then a uh, very nice planning scene ensues, and that is followed by a uh, very nice long sequence of actually breaking into the, uh, the, the jewelers um, and stealing the diamonds. Um, one of the characters that we were introduced to in the club was, um, uh, who's the guy with the mustache? Cesar. 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 Uh, yes. The Milanese. Yeah. The, uh, the womanizer or the, uh, the one they can't, uh, can't say no to a lady. No safe can refuse him and he can refuse no. Yeah. Something like that. Um, either way, uh, while they're doing the, uh, the jewel heist, uh, Cesar decides to pocket an extra little piece that he spied in his, uh, uh, uh scouting of the joint. And uh, that ends up in the hands of one of the dancers at the club um, that gets to the manager of the club, who then figures out that the jewelry heist uh, has been perpetrated by these gentlemen. 
So he then goes and steals a child and uh, demands jewels in return for said child. Um, hijinks ensue. People die. They return the kid, but everyone else dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, who wouldn't much. kill a kid for $240 million, especially in 1955? Yeah, I don't think it was two hundred forty. That did not look like $240 well, million dollars worth yeah. of 1955 jewels. I think there was a conversion thing there. That can't so? be, there's got to be something that we're not uh, mathing out there. Is there be. $50 million the, Yeah. I think the translations for the... Uh, uh, for the subtitles were a little loose. Yeah, yeah. My French is terrible, but it's not <laughs> that terrible. And uh, I caught some discrepancies. Right on. Trying to find how much million francs was in 1950s. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, right. That's, uh, yeah. That sounds uh, like a science fair project. Uh, yeah, we'll figure this out later, guys. Yeah. 240 million francs? Yeah, I want to see how much it was. Yeah, once you figure out conversion rates and then, you know, right. inflation so let's pause and what, the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, right. Hold yes. their breath. All right, <laughs> listeners, just shh, one moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the 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 use of, uh, oh, you were going to say something? I was just going to fill dead space. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about some of the characters. Oh, yeah. um, I think that this character is really strong. And, and like any good heist movie, you have to have specific characters, you know, the special, you know, the guy, the fencer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the acrobat, whatever, the, the safe cracker. And I think they did a great job of this. They he, did play their roles pretty well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they might have been a little hammy and a little bit played up and exaggerated, but that was the deal, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I thought Cesar was great. I mean, obviously it was the director and I'm reading that he only had to play the part because the Italian actor didn't get a contract or something <laughs> so he just had to do it himself okay i got wow. you guys an answer so it's it's basically seven hundred and fifteen thousand dollars is all that it is <laughs> yeah. I'd still that makes a, a lot more sense yeah, Wait, in but 50s I, money I mean, or in modern money that's still in 50s money so that's oh, a lot that's of money a, but lot. but it's not like so Whoa. all right so now yeah. derek adjust for inflation now i gotta adjust for inflation yeah. okay but, can guess, we continue you can guess continue. five million dollars okay um one yeah, it's probably more. Okay. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> you guys just keep, keep yeah. going. No, no, and it's I'll important to guess. Adjust for inflation yeah, okay. and then convert who, to Who yen. wants to win the game? Let's see. Okay, yeah. so I, I did love the characters. Did you guys like the characters at all? Did you like the acting of the main character? I thought it was- I, I love. I don't the know main, any of these people. I thought- I'd, I loved his voice. His voice was just great to me. Like he just had that that perfect gruff sort of like, I've seen too much- Sort of quality to him. Tony, I you mean? Just, yeah, I really enjoyed Tony's character. Um, Jean Servé. Jean Servé. Jean Servé? Yeah. He was an alcoholic and... Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can hear it. You really can, yeah. And I think he picked him because he had, you know, some demons and yeah. stuff like that, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. He definitely had that like pack and a half a day sort of look to him. Tired eyes. Yeah, his career was slumped due to alcoholism is what it says. Mm. The American guy could have been just about anyone. Who's the American guy? Now? Well, I don't. He was just kind of like the. Um, uh, I'm a Joe. Yeah, Joe. Oh, Jude Law. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> he could have been almost anyone. You're right. Yeah. He was just a generically yeah. good-looking guy. Yeah. Um, and and he could have been just like about a Yale anybody. Football he teamer. He's the charmer. He's like the yeah. Brad Pitt of yeah. the Ocean's Eleven. But like, and what's special even. about Brad Pitt? Nothing. Well, he's good-looking. Exactly. That's what this guy's good at. Oh, the but this fest? guy didn't even like use that. Like Brad Pitt, like even you know, goes in yeah. and goes yeah. all charming. Brad Pitt knows how he's to like, swing it around. He's charming rogue. He's you know using that fucking you know. Well, they didn't have this that many jobs in this one. You know, they they no. really just had to get in there quietly and open the safe. Yeah. 
so I guess I guess like if we're if we're looking at character, then probably the Jean Servais character I enjoyed at least, um, and the Cesar character because uh, uh, whoever played Mario was he, he he was definitely the hammiest of the group. Yeah, he was the hammiest. You know, part parts of the Mario performance I liked though. There were yeah. certain parts of it in which it was kind of. Like the the whole sequence with the with the safe thing, he did some funny stuff in that. Like, or not the safe, but the alarm. That part. Oh yeah. Uh, he yeah. had a few moments in that where, like, no matter what, you can. You I thought kinda, it was cute. You kind of you kind of yeah. smirk at his antics, you know. He's being cute. Um, all right, so seven hundred fifteen thousand in nineteen fifty-five. What's everybody's guesses? Twenty. Twelve. Ten million. Are those all millions? Yeah. Twenty, twelve, ten. So Joey's the closest because it's uh, basically six million and seven hundred thousand dollars. That's so. kid killing money. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. kid? What? Which kid would? That, that kid was cute, yeah. dude. Six point uh, seven million. That, that <laughs> kid was cute, uh, though. That kid was cute. You can't set it up. You know. I mean, Just and it was only. It doesn't work. It let's be honest. Out. It was only a matter of time before that kid would have got like out of that situation. Little brother. That kid was going to get out of that situation. It was only a matter of time before he accidentally picked oh, up yeah. a real gun he was, and he was, shot one of them and killed him and then ran away. He was also a fucking stellar part of the cast. Oh, I man. Agree. He was His the reactions best. were excellent. Yeah. He was they, pretty good. He was. He was great. The, the kid, kid was actor. the best actor in the movie. Mm. Mm. John Survey would like to have I a I didn't have to you. read yeah. anything the kid said. I knew what was going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sean Fott, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, if we were to cast it today, who do you think you would uh, put in? Okay, so, so we got uh, Brad Pitt. We got uh, <laughs> yeah, we got we got Brad Pitt. Oceans Eight, um, Oceans Eleven, whatever. Who's who's Jean Survey? Who's the guy from The Mask? Who's the bad guy from The Mask? Oh, that fucking guy. Well, he's got like Jim that Carrey? really yeah, sad the, no, face the, with the like. It looks almost kind of waxy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About? Man, that, mm. that dude, very 90s. That mm. guy's more 90s than my haircut. <laughs> trying to think. Who would be um, good at Peter Green. His name's Peter, Peter Green. Peter Green. Uh, you know what? Robert Redford. Bring him back for one last movie. Yeah. He he's be, old he as shit. I know he's old they, as shit. I know. They already but, made it. It's called Sneakers. Uh, actually, also they also yeah. he was in this man, old, the old man in the gun too, which well, is a heist movie. You know, so, they so, have that scene where he's beating up a woman, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, yeah, could be. Could He'd be. be fine with that. Current day Eastwood, yeah, could Current you would Eastwood. enjoy it a little uh, bit James too much. Wood, yeah, you would. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the, All the old villains, guys, the we villain, old white guys, the guy that plays Gruder has to be Gary Sinise. Okay. Yeah, yeah to I can me. see that. I yeah. can see that. Mm. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, uh, Cesar is John Waters. Yeah. yeah and the little definitely. brother that's all coked out is Jared Leto. You can't just mm. pick the only guy with a tiny mustache. <laughs> nope. That's so, how so it works. You can put John a tiny Waters mustache works. on other people. Uh, what, Have you ever what, met a casting what, agent? <laughs> uh, Michael Sarah. Sure. Michael Sarah. Let's oh, make yeah. Michael Sarah. He no, can be a tiny mustache. He can do a tiny mustache, but he can't do a lady's But It's a secret between you and me. It's going to be Robert hilarious. Here. It's going to be hilarious. Him with a little mustache trying to be a lady. Who's a little man? mustache now? Michael, Michael Sarah. Sarah. Speaking, Ita- <laughs> speaking Italian. No, he doesn't have that kind of range. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. Do All right. Put Michael Sarah up against that pole. Yeah. Begging for forgiveness before he accepts his death. <laughs> yeah. Nah. 
Yeah, that's, that's comedy. Perfect. That's not, yeah. perfect. Uh, there's no, no tension there. No, perfect. not Michael Sarah. Perfect. Let's, Maybe, let's test his range. Maybe no. like, who's uh, a good tiny mustache? Uh, Guys, stop looking at mustaches. Who's a good tiny No, you know what? No, oh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Gyllenhaal. No, he's too big. He'd take it. Yeah, he's more of a Leo. Yeah. If only we had Heath Ledger. All right, so we dig him up. <laughs> I think Jack Palance back then, if if we're digging people Palance. up, you know, well, Palance is the main. today. Yeah. We're digging him up. Yeah, Ooh. we're digging him up. I got a good one. <laughs> Alex Winter. Hey. Alex Winter. Kind of got he that weird. He hasn't done shit in a long time. No. He's doing Bill and Ted. Doesn't he do documentaries now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he directs them. Yeah. Go you, Alex. Yeah. Way to have a predicate. Diva subject too. Oh yeah, that was Bill and Ted. <laughs> what uh, does it sound like? Um, I hope he think... never listens to that. <laughs> he's not going to. <laughs> Maybe he will. No, he's not going to. Yeah, fine, he won't. It sounds pretty fucking amazing. This movie. Yeah, uh, lack of sounds also pretty amazing. That's true. Um, Silence is golden. First awesome. of all, the, let's talk about the music before we get to that. Uh, music by George Orrick. Woof. Um, Loud. Very loud, obviously. Yeah. But there's, let's just, before we get to the dynamics yeah, and the, the mix volume. Yeah, uh, There was a wonderful overture. It was a criterion too. Yeah. Where uh, we were introduced to all the different musical themes and we got to show off kind of the range of the score, which is pretty damn amazing. The score. range. It got really dramatic, romantic, and, and into tiny, intense, and uh, epic. It was just went back and forth. And it was really quite amazing, honestly. Um all down to even the diegetic music in the club, the you know the jazzy gypsy jazz stuff was wonderful. What's diegetic, Joey? Music coming from within the. Yay. Yeah. Not always music, but basically, <laughs> uh, there were beautiful glissandos and arpeggios. Especially there was these great little flute. Uh, runs the buildups of flutes, kind of like we heard from Corn Gold, and you hear all the time in Star Wars, um, which John Williams kind of took. What's from the Corn Gold? Corn Gold was the uh, score, the composer from uh, Robin Hood. Oh, the guy who kind of John Williams took a lot of stuff from. Uh, very famous. We we talked about him. I gushed over him. Yeah, everyone listens to every episode. You might that have people listened to probably, him. and you were also it. here. I'm trying to fucking facilitate some sort of goddamn listenership. Okay, it's all right. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, the Rafifi song itself. What did you guys think of the performance? I there? loved that. I did too. I, was, I thought it yeah. was great. Yeah, because like it. it was believable as like you know it, it wasn't it wasn't so on the nose to where it's like oh she's here to tell us about the plot. <laughs> No, but she comes out, you know, it's believable that, it, you know, a lounge singer would sing a song like that. And it really gives you, it doesn't give you any information, but it gives you spirit. It gives you the spirit of the film. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it was, it was great for me. I really enjoyed that. Plus, like, she was, she's cute. Ah, I see. Yeah. She's pretty. Women in this were attractive. Very, for the most part. Hey, French. Mm. The True. dude behind the shadow screen pissed me off. Why, Sean? Why? Uh, he was doing like some, you know, little actory, businessy sort of things, you know, West Side Story thing going on there. Well, so but he just sucked do at it. Silhouette. Uh, no, I mean, like, you know, he like almost whatever he was like flipping his hand, he like almost dropped like five times. There was like there was just no like grace or elegance to it. It was just like, uh, all right, that's a good take. Let's go. <laughs> like, it, he just got a just, PA to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It just not didn't cheap. 
It, well, I mean, it it didn't it didn't feel like you know a production number. It just felt like they grabbed a random and said, yeah. stand here and do things. Yeah, I don't disagree yeah. with that. Yeah, I like the look of it. It was cool. yeah, yeah. No, it was mm-hmm. cool, but like. I, I don't know. I just have like memories. I haven't seen West Side Story in forever, but I have memories of them doing almost that exact same thing much, much better. Mm. Um, the music heading into the heist was absolutely wonderful. There were, it really, I wish there was just more fleshed out in some moments. I think I even mentioned to you guys, there was just moments where I was, I was just stunned with the music. Um, and there were some great rhythmic moments too, like when they were entering each part of the jewelry, you know, the jewelry store. Um, there was just a great little, uh, hit like an orchestral hit with with strings. It was great. Um, and then moving on after the music, music was wonderful. But uh, let's go down to the foley because the foley was really fucking cool. Derek seems to absolutely love any sort of mechanical device. Joey, what's foley, yes, really. Okay, fine. Foley is a really when you have to recreate specific sounds that relate to things that we see on the screen physically. Not always. It's a tough definition, but. Things you can kind of recreate with your hands or your feet in a music studio for specific sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the sounds of just the the drill, you know, that kind of stuff. Even the, uh, you know, touching the alarm, the foam coming out of the uh, fire extinguisher. I really loved the footsteps in this. Hmm. Agreed. They were so subtle. And I think that was a big moment I wanted to talk about the Foley was that, especially during the silent scene, you could still still hear them, but they were so uh, slight that it forced you to really reach for those sounds. Mm-hmm. And that forces you to pay even more attention and get more, you know, actual attention on your, you know, on the edge of your seat kind of stuff. It forced you to listen closely. Yeah. So not just the fact that it was silent, but there was tiny sounds that forced you to focus, which I really did appreciate. And then obviously we have to talk about the mix because it was all over the fucking place and it was way too dynamic and we had to turn down the volume whenever the music went on and turn it up back when the dialogue came back on. And it's an extremely important point here because they obviously were trying to make it very dynamic because your ear gets accustomed to the very loud music and then you go right to the silent moment of the break-in, making it more impactful. But I just thought it needed compression. yeah. It was just, I guess maybe if we were in a movie theater and it would, it was fuck it to be that crazy loud, it would be okay. It just feels really, really loud when we're just in someone's apartment watching a film. I imagine that was epic mm. back then. That was epic as all get out. It was, it was probably crazy. It was, yeah. it would have been ringing in my ears. It if was, that was, you know. Like, I know you really liked the music, but it was almost too epic for me in moments. Yeah, it I agree. Me. No, no, it, I agree at certain moments. It I reminded do. me of Renzo Rossellini's score. Yeah. It wasn't uh, that it was bad. The film that we've all seen, Over. Germany were, Year Zero. There were moments where I slightly disagreed about how much tension was being built and, and whether it should have been increased or decreased or, or the busyness of the music. But overall, I, I, I understood the intention of every moment. And I thought that was yeah. clear. Um, they had some but weird yeah. I mean, I did too. too but no, like, if you think you know, it was too much, it's when fine. he's Yeah, when he's like walking to the car in preparation of driving to the bank for the heist and they've got that crazy, crazy music going. It's like, fuck, I guess something's going to happen, huh? Yeah, like, that wasn't it, great. But I not didn't... in a good way. But what's funny is after that moment from the alley, when they're walking from the alley mm-hmm. to the, the the bank, I'm sorry, the jewelry store, then that music was subtle. It was like mm-hmm. spy music. It was yeah. it was sparse yeah. and it was mm-hmm. wonderful. And that's why I mentioned, I was like, play that. They should have played that the whole time and expanded on that for like three minutes and mm. built up. That would have been wonderful. That would have been like a real fucking James Bond Solid score. Leading, yeah. But you're right. It was just too loud in those moments. Yeah. There was one weird cutout too, like that I recall. Uh, it's after the whole heist when he comes into like the table and they're all sitting around and they're like opening the bag. 
and then there's music, 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 and it just cuts to like si- like qu- really quiet, like silence. And it was it's kind of awkward. <laughs> what I, is the point of that? Like I mentioned that actually, I re- I kind of liked it. It, it. It's a build up. It's it would even oh, glissandoed. Well, no, I mean I wrote it down on my story. Okay, I, but I just that the reveal of the gold and the jewelry. Shut up, Sean. Yeah. I'm allowed to talk about my list. <laughs> he hates it when I reveal behind the curtain. But yeah, he I has think a he list. Goes, he I makes think. a list, guys. Yeah. Anywho, I like the sound one because the, it was the buildup and then the absence of sound giving us this kind of breather. Oh my God, what's going to happen? And then oh, we don't see it at first. We only hear the sound of his hand touching the jewelry. I kind of like that, um, but it's weird. It's almost like Pulp Fiction, you know, not seeing it and not revealing the jewels, but then we do get the reveal of the jewels. It, yeah, is it like a, it seems it's a like letdown. a letdown. To me it was right? a letdown. It seems like a letdown. And then after that, he's like, wow, they're both, they're all like, I've never seen so much or whatever in all my life. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, it like, feels it seems like, opposite of what it should be. Yeah. Then, you know? It feels like Tarantino watched this and was like, wait, you shouldn't see it. Yeah. It's better almost if we don't see it at all. Probably. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm sorry to give Tarantino credit. I no, know you, but I know no, it's, that's, that's fine. I mean, you know, Avery co-wrote that script. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Roger it's Avery definitely here. Co-wrote it. So, <laughs> so I'm not sure who whose idea that was, but you're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> Tarantino directed. He gets credit for it. That's the auteur theory. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, he. I, I think Glad he paid him off for that. it. What's that? I think he paid him for it though, too. Either way, for the it says no. It says it now. That's yeah. true. You're right. You're right. That's so, true. Uh, any other sound thoughts from you guys? Music, dialogue. What do you think of the dialogue, or lack thereof? That's true. I wonder what the. I wonder why he chose to do so many silent sequences. Well, definitely, we got to talk. We didn't really touch in the twenty-minute. Well, not even just because the, there was that, but there was also like there. So it could play at internationally. Least, at least one that I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Also, too, uh, I don't know how good his French was when he's directing this thing because I can't he, believe he spoke that much Italian. I yeah, I don't know that he did speak much of any of the languages in the film yeah. because basically uh, he went over very little he it. went over to like flee because he was a communist mm-hmm. uh, or sympathizer sympathizer at least he was blacklisted um, so he's blacklisted so he had to go to france to make this movie and initially like jones initially um no no no, no not no, at all no nope, not, not at close. all sean not at all just move on uh yeah moving on <laughs> uh yeah so so uh there was a another guy who was supposed to uh direct this film and we haven't watched any of his films yet when we get to the 60s you you guys are going to be inundated with my love for jean-pierre melville who was supposed to direct this film, and then, uh, and then basically, um, Jules Dassin, I guess, asked like if he could do it, and then there was the handoff. But uh, you, you can see kind of the two have a lot of similarities because they're very like uh, technical and very like uh, and big into genre films. Uh, it, in some ways, almost feels like a Melville film. To be honest, it it has a lot of the a lot of the similarities in um, structure and uh, and just the obsession with accuracy of a lot of the things and like us going through little details and so on and so forth. Um, but I I thought that I thought that was interesting because it, you know I, I'm sure there's other people out there too who 
love Jean-Pierre Melville's stuff. So, yeah. little tag, guys, for uh, one. I never even people. heard of Melville. Yeah, shout listening. out to JP Mill. Fucking yeah. Melvins. He's good. We talked about him on the podcast before because he was the one who had done Army of Shadows, which was oh, right. which uh, was pro, uh, sorry, pro- French. That French- Nationalism, wasn't it? Wasn't I think I think so. Like some guy at the time of- was not, not well-liked and so it was banned in France and then didn't come out here until like 2000 and something like it. So, so it's got the most, uh, so it's got like- the most reviews of like any film from that time <laughs> because people are like on you know rotten tomatoes reviewing it when it came out in the 2000s you know so um but yeah well oh. gentlemen are you ready to guess the gross oh yeah yeah. yeah, it needs music. Derek and my button machine is broke. Otherwise, yeah. we'd be doing that sad trombone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make it with your mouth. That was pretty good. That was very good. Was not bad. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty close. I do a damn good trombone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, even without a plunger. So uh, today's topic is going to be heist movies. Uh, so in 2001, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Are you in or are you out? Ocean's Eleven. What was the total domestic gross? 2001's Ocean's Eleven. This was a big movie at the time, but then big movies at that time. 2001, yeah. it's, not, it's not big movies of today. It was a sure market back then, though. It was. Looney, Brad Pitt. The clone. Going 125 million. 125 says Derek. Go 120. Ah, one clan. I'm gonna say 155. I'm gonna shoot for the. I'm gonna swing for the fences for old Steven Soderbergh. Ah, well, gentlemen, none of you were swinging quite hard enough. It came in at 183 million. Wow. Wow. No uh, wonder they had sequels. Yeah. Oh, well, there's like Timber wins. Boom. Yeah. Way to go, Timmer. Old Timmer. Old Timmer. Old Timmer. Old Timmer got one right. Old Timmer. <laughs> Every dog has his day. <laughs> God damn it. Broken clocks right twice a day. Yeah, dang straight there, brother. All right. Well, uh, I just realized we already did one that it was on my list. Uh, so, uh, Your Mind is the Scene of the Crime, 2010. Directed by Christopher Nolan, Inception. Inception. Uh, Good luck. I'm going to go $141 million. 141, says Timmer. Um, I'm going to go $168. I guess it was just coming off the dark night. $168 million, says D-Rock. Still think I'm maybe... 170. 170 million, says Joseph Bonnier. Price is riding his way into a victory. Mr. Joseph Bonnier takes it, even though he's off by an order of magnitude. It is $292 million. Wow. Fuck me. <laughs> that is insane. 
people, what movies are you going to yeah, see? Yeah, and that, what movie, the heck? that movie is not worth it $292 is not million. Dollars. Oh my God. I guys. tried rewatching it at some point recently, and it's just like, what the fuck? Here's the thing you have to compare it to other movies that are being made in $300 million. So, Transformers and shit. Yeah. So, really yeah. Better than Transformers. I mean, this is it's why people point. are like cattle. Yeah. But okay, if the cattle are watching Inception, okay, that's way better <laughs> than eat them watching whatever grass. Better than Spring Breakers. I know. It's it's yeah. It's just whatever pasture. They're eating you put vegetables. Them in. Let's not fault them for eating vegetables. All right, gentlemen. Yeah. Every dog has his day. 1992s, directed by Quentin Tarantino, mm. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Nope. I'm gonna go. Toy Domestic Gross kicked off some of the indie world's 55 influential 55 i don't know i really have no showing. fucking yeah. idea what this could be because like that seems i mean it's not a terrible guess derek what you got oh no i guess second last time somebody else is, <laughs> <laughs> i keep guessing second somebody else has got to guess second so oh, i gotta take right. the last yeah. right in the oh, fuck up yeah um 41 million dollars really should write down our answers. i'm going i'm He's going i'm going 40 because i think it's much lower I than can see type. but we're influ that's not my point we're influencing <laughs> each other when we hear them it's a lot lower oh you yeah should, but it's a radio yeah, show you should have went a lot fucking lower you still won with 40 million yeah. but the oh, total domestic gross you'll snake in the grass is, that's, that's the whole point yeah. uh, is listed at uh 2.8 million dollars. Whoa! <laughs> what was the budget? It's like an indie fucker. Yeah, I should like, have it's like the Quinta- Michael Madsen in it. But that's where the famous went. Michael Madsen. Um, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel probably did it for cheap, though. He did it for cheap. Budget is 1.2. Whoa. Tim Roth. So honestly, barely made for, money. Yeah. Honestly, for 1.2 million dollars, yeah. not a bad fucking movie. Oh, God, yeah. 1.2. Yeah. I guess it was more money back then. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, but cons- like, I mean, Dave did. Uh, Where'd that money? Dave go? did his picture for one point eight. That's true. Well, fucking yeah. uh, Rodriguez did it for seven thousand. If you, you know, depending on how you do that math. But <laughs> yeah, it's also impressive that he was able to pay for all the music licensing with that little amount of money too. I imagine that's, that's not uh, including that. exactly. Yeah, that's definitely not including that. I doubt it. No, Most likely not. So. No. Um, Weinstein drove. Yar. We can tell you what it's about, but then, of course, we'd have to kill you. 1992, directed by Bill Alden Robinson. Robinson? Uh, sneakers. Sneakers? Sneakers. Sneakers. I'm going, British um, band sneaker I'm going $15.8 million. What year? Uh, 1992. You're saying 15.8? Yeah. I think it was a success, but I don't know if it was a success in like the movie theater. May I ask who the star was? Uh, Robert, Robert Redford. Redford. <sighs> okay, that changes my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna go? Uh, I went second last time. Okay. Yeah, uh, Ben <laughs> Kingsley, Robert Redford. Ooh. I'm gonna say forty. Yeah, Ben Kingsley was batting a thousand back then. Joey says forty million dollars. Um, I don't know that that's true, <laughs> but uh, uh, 
Derek, what was your guess now? 15.8. And you guessed 40? I'm going to roll into the gate with, with a hot 41. $1 million takes it, gentlemen. The wow. total was $51 million. Well, this is a huge success then. Hey, ben Kingsley was batting a thousand yeah. back then. All right. Well, it is, uh, uh, let's see here. One last one on the board. Uh, Stealing Stones and Breaking Bones. 2000, directed by Guy Ritchie. Snatch. I like this movie. It is a good one. I, I, I prefer Lockstock, actually. Yeah, me too. I like Lockstock better. Had less Brad Pitt. I like Brad Pitt in this movie. What? Shit. You don't like Brad Pitt in this movie? In Snatch? Yeah. No, not particularly. I like Turkish in this movie. What What did it make? Oh, uh, oh, oh it's my guess first. It's, yeah, your guess My first. goodness you gracious, won. I'm the worst. You won. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to guess for Snatch, because it's coming off a of lock stock. Uh, thirty million dollars. I'm gonna go um, hundred and ten million. One hundred and ten dollars. Crazy. That's crazy. 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 Say seventy-five. Seventy-five million dollars, gentlemen. In a first in podcast history, one of you is dead on. Oh wait, we've been dead on. I've been dead on before. Wow, who's, who's dead on? Really? So we had we had thirty mil from me. We had seventy five from mm-hmm. Derek. From seventy five from Joey. And you guessed one ten. Mm-hmm. Oh, but who? But who? who is it? I don't know. I think it's me. It is you. So, <laughs> oh, thirty man. million. Nice. Thirty point two million dollars. Thirty point two million dollars. Off by a mere margin of there you go. You you really like you had not been doing good. You'd really sucked at this game, Old and then you Tamer, you came back. Yeah, and hot in his third act. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you owned in magic today, and you've owned in this. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Not advertise that magic thing. Yeah. 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 No. First rule: Magic Club is you don't talk about Magic Club. Yeah. Magic Gathering yeah. is amazing. True. You should play it. Well, this has been Guess the Gross. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. I need music. And, Man, um, that yeah. trumpet sucks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wow. Good old. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a good one. Are we not doing your uh, your camera? Okay. Is it camera? <laughs> I mean, Is it, it two was in a row with camera. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll talk about the, my next game. We, we, we play two games in a row? Now, uh-huh. through That's the fine. looking glass with Sean Paul. All right. <laughs> Jesus, God. Um, yeah, it looked pretty good, most of it. <laughs> Some of it wasn't. Um, the end. Uh, no, I, All right. <laughs> good job. Yep. No, unfortunately, um, you know, a couple of these things, like, actually felt very, uh, I love Lucy. Um, there was like, there were the scenes like in the, either the hotel or the apartment or whatever, when the woman is getting herself beat, uh, that felt very high key and very weird for, I'm about to beat a woman scene. Um, but everything that was like shot outside had a lot more moodiness to it. Um, but yeah, the, the, that weird, like high key sitcom lighting in some of those scenes just felt really awkward. Um, most everything else was was lit a uh, little bit more, uh, we'll say, 
contrasty and um, appropriate for a heist or, you know, sort of uh, more action-y, intense sort of mm-hmm. movie. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that there were... Yeah. I think the high-key scenes, which were, in my opinion, the weaker parts yeah, of the movie. Certainly. The reason it was high-key, it like, you know, just my opinion, is because they were trying to show off the forms of the women more. Yeah, you know, that's have mostly, a pop against the background. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, those scenes were pop, or like just, uh, what's the pulp? Yeah. Well, that's just in general, like in that time and place, like anytime there was a woman on screen, you lit her differently. She was yeah. supposed to be the sort of beautiful love thing. Um, it wasn't as much in this movie as we've seen in like Casablanca and some of the other examples of mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I think that is a definitely a reason they would have, you know, steered more towards that sort of look in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I mean, just the the camera alone, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. There was a um, a lot of that, like how it's made stuff that I really fucking love. Just that, like you know, tight shots of like fiddling with gadgets and like learning how things work and like yeah. figuring out the plan and figuring out the little doodads. Um, you know, all of that stuff was really nicely paced and put together, and uh, it you know it it didn't feel out of place at all it felt like natural and in the movie but it also felt like very i don't know like weirdly warm and comforting mm, <laughs> like yeah it, yeah it's true even though it was like you know there's no real sound it's just kind of like glances and grunts in between it, it told like way more story than most of that exposition that they were throwing out yeah which yeah. you know i mean to me that that is the real strength of this movie is like everything that doesn't have dialogue in it is there's there's a lot of like just pure directing here um the camera is moving as characters the camera is also going into very just wide static shots and letting things play out it has it 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 feels very very natural more so than oh you know like some of the more stagey stuff that we've been watching lately Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to get the feeling that that is like more of just, I, I guess, the French feel. Um, that sort of like looser camera, that like more sort of, um, I, I don't want to say like, it, you know, the, the, the Hollywood studio stuff has that like yeah. that crane shot and that very specific dolly shot. Whereas this, like, they employ the same tools. They're the just, French perspective is so much more personal. It it is weirdly, yeah. It's, it's like, really mm-hmm. intimate. Yeah. You know, it brings you in. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like intimate in like what the kids are doing these days with the extreme close ups and everything. So it's not like you know today everything is like you know you see eyes and you see mouth and like that's it. Yeah, uh, I and, wouldn't say that's intimate necessarily. Um, yeah, you know that pornography. <laughs> it is pornographic. I mean, it is. Um, uh, yeah, it gets a little too in your face. I'm laughing because, uh, uh, it's very inside baseball, but John uh, asked the definition of pornography the other day in a meeting (laughs) in a professional environment. They told me I had to enforce pornography. What am I going to do? I got to know what pornography is. It is one of the funniest moments. What is pornography? Yeah, he, that's, yeah. that was a question right. he so asked. So before we get too far away from the camera stuff, um, this is sort of just like a kind of a thing from a bygone era at this point, but this film had great use of diopters, I mm. thought. There there was some some really great scenes where you could tell that they were using a split diopter, and I just like that. Um, you don't see that anymore. But can you give me a, an example so we can look back? 
Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, there's a... Uh, I saw some really deep focus stuff. I didn't really yeah. pick up on a whole lot of no, there was a diopter stuff. There was a diopter. There was at least one specific diopter, and it was in the scene where... It was in Cesar's uh, farewell scene um, when we've got Cesar against the post tied up, mm-hmm. and we've got... Uh, and we've got... Uh, Tony? Tony coming in. Um, uh, he's... They're both in sharp focus, and you could just tell that there was a diopter. Mm. Um, cool. It was good. I liked it. <laughs> uh, the direct- I was probably reading words. Sorry, the director of photography, uh, Philippe Agostini. I thought it was interesting because I thought this reminded me a lot of A Man Escaped. Uh, there's a lot of moments yeah. here that mm-hmm. are very similar. Yeah. Not, not exactly, but this cinematographer did do a lot of stuff for Brisson as well and some oh, other okay. French, uh, French directors. So I, I think they're probably... Stealing off each other, definitely the techniques. And this is 55, and Manscaped, I think, was 56 or 57. Yeah, so around the same time. Yeah, so I love Robbie Bresson. I think they're just developing these amazingly different cinematography techniques in that that era, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love the, I mentioned it, the flashlight scene. Yeah. Yeah. Where where it's just just so much drop off in that. Yeah. I don't know what their shadow. Very yeah, I don't know what their point is. Oh, I'm That's sure like that, a 10k or exactly, something. Yeah, that looks <laughs> like, like actual lighting had units. There's not a flashlight at all. Yeah, because you can see later in the movie they're actually using flashlights, and that's like yeah. a very different yeah, look no, than what we're getting. Um, but yeah, that's you know just two fucking electricians walking pretty, around with you know incredible. 1ks or whatever. I thought that just the shots of the city were absolutely gorgeous. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just really loved just oh shit. getting a look of the whole. Oh, no, I almost left off the driving stuff. Um, the driving stuff is very well done, especially for the, you know, the equipment that they had to work with at that time. But, you know, um, it was, um, I, it felt very uh, modern, I would say, in its, like, pacing. And especially because mm. there's, like, very little dialogue it's really just kind of like relying on the cinematography and the uh, the kid bouncing around in the fucking convertible, just kind of from seat to seat, is like really the only sort of forward momentum you get, especially and, in that and ending. Music What's that? Oh, fuck music. No one cares about music. <laughs> it was extreme, by the way, during the chase scene. It went crazy. Yeah. Mm. I actually thought it was overdone, like Tim was saying. It was just too too much. It was just obviously, okay, he's dying, he's he dying. He was dying, Joey. We get it. He's dying. No, yeah. We went handheld in that car. <laughs> I actually liked I liked those shots though. I agree with you. I thought it was pretty modern, actually, the way we were kind of like getting like shaky it kind was. of camera. Yeah, and- a lot of that stuff. And like the cut that they kept doing to his leg too, and yeah. then they went to the hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it felt very breast on that. That whole thing, like yeah, the, but it didn't yeah, look bad. It looked thing. cool. Yeah, sort of a yeah, like like the, much. the car scene in the beginning of Man Escape. Yeah, yeah, but so good. Yeah, it looked. I mean, it was very. Uh, it built the tension very well, but I think we were all a little confused as to why the music was swelling so much and like why there was so much tension until we realized that he was dying. Like, it, yeah, I knew he was shot. I knew yeah. he was. Dying. I guess we should have kind of. I I made a joke in the very beginning of the scene that it was uh, that it was the children of the men sequence. Oh, children yeah. of men sequence. And it actually was. And yeah, I, I made it as a joke, and then I was like, oh shit, yeah, he's gonna fucking crawl. <laughs> it was up. very prophetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's weird because also like uh, so I don't get yeah like he's dying. He's bringing the kid there is. 
the big thing, right? To the, Delivering to the it back to the mom. Mm-hmm. But I thought also to the fact that the money is yeah, going there. This was there, my big problem with the end. That well, he never cared about the money. Like he never like when they were doing that scene where everyone was talking about like what they were going to do with it. Everyone had a plan. Everyone had a reason that they were trying to get this money. And he's just like. I don't know. So here's what I thought he would do. I thought he would have hid the money in the kid's backpack or something like that. So he redeemed himself in the end and the kid, Mm -hmm. the mom would get the money and kind of, and and, you know, because Joe died wanting his child to get the money, he said it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would have been a nice little tie in. I'm surprised that didn't happen, honestly. And I kind of thought too, it was that that was kind of the thing because the kid is going to go back to the mom, even if, even if he dies on the side of the road. Right. He doesn't have to like drive all the yeah, way. Yeah, he could have just well, pulled over and just the said the money is going to go away. Like that's going to be like, "Oh, they stole this money and you know, everybody's going to find out." So I thought that that was at least partially some of the reason why he was doing that was to get that to her as well, you know. I just thought it was that French thing of like not everything has to be a happy ending. So like, you know, more of a yeah. morality tale. It was a morality fucking, tale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. And I, that that was clear when the wife, Joe's wife. Made that, the the comment that the, the real tough guys are the ones yeah, who are yeah. tough enough to not, to, to be above, yeah, you know. Yeah, to not be in the street shit. Yeah, they're, they're lesser impulses. That felt like the screenwriter was saying, hey, this is the moral of the story. Listen up. <laughs> Which is okay sometimes. It just felt a little. Oh, it was the same thing as the Rafifi song. Hey, don't yeah. betray me. I'm, Del- I'm yeah. Jules Dessen. Don't betray me. I want to <laughs> live in America instead of be exiled and blacklisted to here. Let that, me back in. That's not nice. That's not nice. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Some yeah. of that in there. Apparently, for sure, that Caesar thing is because of that. Because it, it's based on a book, and that whole Caesar like getting shot kind of thing or betrayed or what have you, uh, that is not in the book. Um, so that was supposed to be added because of, I guess, how he felt kind of betrayed, uh, by his fellow Hollywood friends at the time. <laughs> he got shot in the back and, and left to die. country, perhaps. Speaking of Hollywood yuppies, mm-hmm. let's talk about the awards ceremony that mm-hmm. honors all of these Hollywood yuppies. That's it. Yuppies? Except Vern Troyer. No, they honored him. Did they? I don't think they did. They should have. They should did have. he get an in memoriam? You he don't think he got it? He, he did not get yeah. an in memoriam. Oh. The snub. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah. All right. Um, the 28th Academy Awards. Did you see Rest in Power? Yeah. I did. Can't <laughs> <laughs> that slide. Rest that's, in pieces. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Presented at the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles. <laughs> You know he was in a couple. <laughs> Let that slide for a second. It was hosted by uh, <laughs> Jerry Lewis. I don't know how we're going to move on from this. <laughs> All right, let's just go right into by it. moving on. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Best Supporting Actor. First, we have Arthur O'Connell for Picnic. Sal Mineo. What's his name? Sal Mineo. Mineo? I want yeah. to say Salmoneo. 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 Salmoneo, Rebel Without a Cause. I, I don't know him. I guess he must be famous. Obviously, <laughs> Joe Mantell for Marty, Jack Lemon, Mr. Roberts, or Arthur Kennedy for Trial. Salmoneo. Jack Lemon. Yeah, the Lemon Party. It is Jack Lemon. Suck. They should have gave it to Salmoneo. 
Poor guy died. I've never seen Rebel Without a Cause. Poor guy died not shortly after this, right? That was in shot in his nice. No, 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 that was Walter Matthau. Shot outside his own house, I think. West Hollywood. Who's Jack Lemmon then? The other guy from Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, who was stabbed to death. Oh, oh yeah, Sal Mineo. Yeah, outside his house. Bummer. Pizza delivery guy. Pizza delivery guy. By the delivery guy. Yeah. But why? Yep. You didn't tip. I guess he was he was uh, trying to rob him and uh, it was yeah. yeah. Well, that's moving on. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. So Best Sal supporting Mania. actress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we got Natalie Wood for Rebel Without a Cause. Another great ending for Natalie Wood, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> two people got yeah. Two people murdered. Basically. Wow. From Rebel Without a Cause. From- Wood. And also James Dean. James Dean. Oh man, you didn't creepy. want to be in that movie. Yeah, well, that was a bad movie to be in. Yeah. All right, Peggy Lee. Wasn't it Christopher Walken. The... No, uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis. Oh, Dennis Hopper did Wait, what? What? He was in Rebel Without a Cause as well. Uh, uh, was on the. And I was talking oh, about murdering yeah. Natalie Wood. Yeah, he oh. was. He was sleeping at the time. Apparently, who That's murdered? The last how did she die? Robert, Robert Wagner. Uh, he was. She accused. drowned. There were a few people like, <laughs> like in the on tub? the boat. Oh, there's over a the boat. Anyway, yeah. Natalie Wood, check it out. Yeah, Very interesting. Got, let's do some, yeah, got to do some research outside yeah. the podcast. Come back with our story later. Yeah. When we uh, when we watch a Natalie Wood movie. Jesus. Yeah. Types in Natalie Ma- Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa Pavan for The Rose Tattoo. Peggy Lee for Pete Kelly's Blues. Joe Van Fleet for East of Eden. And Betsy Blair for Marty. Oh, let's go east of Eden. Joe Bl- Bleef. Van Fleet. Van yeah, I was going to say Joe as well. Hit me up with that Betsy Blue. You are right with Joe Van Fleet, east of Fuck. Eden. Yeah, nice. Go, Joe. Go, Joe. Best actress. At a, at a boy, Joe. Or I don't actually want... We, we don't usually do supporting. I don't know why I did supporting this yeah, time. Yeah, I don't know why. It was fun, though. Uh, was it? Conflicting witness? No, we're going to sit there. That, this room tone is your fault. <laughs> Best actress, Susan Hayward, I'll Cry Tomorrow, Catherine Hepburn for Summertime, Jennifer Jones, Love is a Merry Many Splendored Thing, Eleanor Parker for Interrupted Melody, or what did I say? Anna Magnani for The Rose Tattoo. Oh, I'm going Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't even remember the ones. All right. Well, I'm just going to yeah. tell you the answer then. Yeah. Anna, Anna Magnani. Anna Magnani. That was going to be my guess. Nobody even asked me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, join the podcast. Why don't you? I, I'm reading about Natalie Wood's death. <laughs> oh, is that what we're supposed to do yeah. right now? Determined oh. as drowning and other undetermined factors. Plot yeah. thickens. Yeah. Yep. Yep, we know. Don't tune in for the Rebel Without yeah, a Cause. She did not uh, have an easy ride. She did not. Best actor. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, the man with the golden arm. Spencer Tracy, bad day at Black Rock. James Cagney, love me or leave me. James Dean, posthumously for East of Eden. Or Ernest Borgnine for Marty. Wow, you, got, you guys know all of these actors. This I'm actually, going Dean. Yeah, posthumous. Dean, but uh, Cagney. Give me Cagney. What did you say, Sean? Borgnine. You're right. Marty. Borgnine won. Who's Ernest? What, what else does he play? Always, he's that weird looking guy. He's yeah. kind of, he's kind of like a Peter Lorre looking. Was he guy. in? Uh, was he, he was in Ed Wood, wasn't he? For some reason, is do I think he was the fucking Igor in uh, Young Frankenstein? Possibly. Kind of reminds me of Rip Young Torn. Fra- 
Yeah. Abby Normal. Yeah, maybe. A little. He's not him, but. Ernest no. Borgnine. Wild Bunch. Wild Bunch. Ernest he was in uh he was in uh Escape from New York, right? Mm. Oh that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. With the snake Bliskin. Was he yeah. oh was he in uh One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Probably not. Somebody talk over me. He was in a he was in a motorhome in Florida, I know, because he <laughs> saw him in a saw him in a uh cracker barrel at one point back in nineties, uh, I think. Shout out Cracker Barrel. Yeah, shout no, out I don't shout them out. They're racist. They're, well, also their food's not that great. I drove all the way to Victorville to go to the Cracker Barrel because that's the kind of shit well, that you don't I go do. There. You don't, don't don't go to the one. In I went there when it don't opened. Want... I went there for the opening. Nah, it's not. You don't do that. All right. I don't know why I'm copping to this, but I did it, and it wasn't that great. Move all right. On. Best director. Delbert Mann for Marty, John Sturges, Bad Day at Black Rock, Elia Kazan for East of Eden, Joshua Logan for Picnic, or David Lean, Summertime. Dogbert. David Lean. Um, um, I'm going with uh, Kazan. The answer is Delbert Mann for Marty. Fuck yeah. I, I wow. knew Marty cleaned up for some reason. I never even seen Marty. Maybe we should put yeah, on our fucking lust here. All right. Best motion picture. There are five this time. The Rose Tattoo, Picnic, Mr. Roberts, Love is a Many Splendored Thing, or Marty? Marty. Marty. <laughs> I know uh, Marty cleaned up Rose for tattoo. I know Marty. Yeah, I Marty distinctly cleaned up. remember hearing that Marty cleaned up, and the answer is Marty. Yeah. Well, I just had a feeling. theory, I should have chosen Marty. Yeah, just, I've... Your mouth shut, Sean. Yeah, I, I, thought that, I forgot we did best then. picture. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. Yeah, we really need a song there. Yeah. Da, da, da. No, we we had a song for his thing. Right? Yeah, the thing's now, broken. It's all gone. Uh, yeah. For the listeners, Bummer. was that me or was that the button? You'll never know. Mm. <laughs> all right, um, Derek. Do yeah. We, do we have any uh, reviews? No, we don't. I mean, Nobody none that else are good. Has ever seen this movie? Yeah, none that were good. There were no net. There were no one star reviews. Yeah. There were a bunch of ten star reviews, and there were. All of them were pretty boring. So. Yeah. Bunch we'll of just, fucking squares like this movie. We need trash to start watching classic yeah. movies. Yeah. And I that's why that's we're what doing we this do. podcast. <laughs> yeah, we need... Because, you know, like... That's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. the riffraff. I mean, you come for the, the Clapton's dead kid jokes, but you stay for the cinema. We never got a Clapton joke. Yeah. We what? did. There was oh, one earlier. You, oh, you, is you that snuck it right nice. under you. Yeah. yeah, you're going to have to go back and listen for it. Yeah, it really, really fell under our nose. Oh, that's a stretch. Oh, I know. 49 stories under your nose. Sorry. It's under. I love you, Clapton. Especially Layla. It's a bunch of noses. Yeah, a bunch of noses. 49 floors of noses. Do we have anything else to say about this film before we move on to our final reviews, gentlemen? No, I don't. Does anybody else? What would you do if, like, you were the the guy washing windows that day and just. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, really. Like, why? Is it really that funny? I'd, I'd look yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh shit. I feel like that's been in a bunch of movies. A kid flying past somebody. Not a kid, but, but the, the window washer. The window thing washer. Is a trope. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think there might have been one. Yeah. I mean, they definitely did it in True Lies. True. 
in Antichrist. It's the beginning of the movie. There's no window washer in, in Antichrist. No window washer, but the kid fell out the window. Okay, we're, we're thinking different things. Wow. Also, it wasn't a window washer. It was a guy vacuuming, and there was a plane outside the window. In mm. True Lies. Oh. Mm. I've derailed this whole thing. I don't remember so that So you think if you're vacuuming, lies. you won't be able to hear a Harrier jet outside your window? Nope. Not if you've got your headphones in and you're listening to mariachi music. That's true. Yeah, Which is what was the current? <laughs> I don't agree there because the frequency range of mariachi music wouldn't necessarily overlap with the really heavy bass of the Harrier jet. So I don't. I disagree with that. You're not taking into account the tuba. This has been Joey's Gleason Debt Corner. It's a good point. I just don't think Shorter. the tuba is consistent enough to be played all the time to match the frequencies. When the tuba is not there, there's an accordion. I don't think that overlaps all the bass <laughs> frequencies. Okay. Anyways, I think you feel the vibration at the very least. Yeah, so. probably. You know, but it's a vacuum. <laughs> it's a very powerful vacuum. It's a, it's a hell of a vacuum. There you was know, an insert shot. XL. Yeah. Might have been Electrolux. How many amps, Sean? How many amps was that vacuum? Uh, 15 at least. It's got to be a 12 amp vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> at least a 15 amp vacuum. <laughs> I love how you put the coveralls on for that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we're doing it. Final reviews. Now, review. Let's move to Sean Faw first. Uh-oh. Sean Fa. Uh, three out of five. Yeah. Explain your decision, sir. Because I'm trying to, I'm still mulling the three and a half. Um, it's definitely on the happy side of the leisure, um, regardless of the subtitles. Subtitles always do remove a star. Um, <laughs> it's enjoyable um like i said i felt like i've seen it i felt like i've seen a lot of this um but it felt good <laughs> um i mean it was enjoyable there was a lot of things um you know certainly um i guess precedent setting as far as the shot construction and the pacing of things um the way that they moved around and the way that like they established and put us through the scenes felt very modern and sort of um, yeah, just not like that old stagey stuff that we've been seeing. So just, you know, because of that sort of uh, more freedom that it had, I definitely felt it more like connectable. Um, but yeah, uh, subtitles. <laughs> okay. Derek. Um, I'm going to go eight out of 12 with it. Um, it's, I think for a genre film, it's pretty solid. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have a whole lot really beyond that, but I also think that for, uh, it's place in history and also it's usefulness to anybody who's wanting to really kind of study, you know, or, 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 or even watch like what kind of started the traditional heist film. Yeah, if you're if you're a fan of heist films, you gotta watch this movie. I will say that. That's like it's definitely you need to watch the movie if you like heist films. Um but uh but I, I think it has that kind of you know it that's basically it. It but it is just a heist film. There doesn't there's not much you don't think it, the, it gets it's a that. woman beaten movie. Does it get elevated? That. That's yeah. true. I think there's some elevation I, to it. I think I think there's a um 
No, I mean, I mean. think the, the amount of quality in it elevates it beyond, you know, that's the reason why I'm giving it an eight out of 12 because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very well directed, um, has a lot of very well thought out sequences and shots and stuff. Um, uh, but I, I'm not over the moon for it, you know. Before we move on to Tim and myself, uh, I want to ask you guys, because this is an interesting question, a genre film, you know, is, is there a film that isn't a genre film or just defies, or do you use multiple genres or? I would say that- How do we define this? A genre film is a film that is mainly servicing the genre. So in that, like this, like we said, there's not a whole lot of story here. This is about the heist. So when like- the almost the entire movie gets summed up by the the type of you know the genre. Then that is a genre mm-hmm. film. See, I actually agree with you. Right, you're completely right. But I I think that if he g- g- give them money in the end, it would have been more of a redemptive arc for Tony, and I think it could have been more of a character study. Maybe. Sure, that's it, the difference between you know Oh Brother Where Art Thou. That's not a genre movie because it's a much grander sort of piece. Sure. Um, but you know, there are elements of heist in it. There are, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just not, it's, it's not, it's, it's a one trick pony essentially as a genre. Yeah. It's that it's I'd the agree. similarities in, in, in narrative structure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hitting it's, all the same tropes. Exactly. And, yeah. Which, I mean, if this was establishing those tropes, I'm not sure, but you know, well, either yeah. way it's. I, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, maybe that's a hindsight thing. Maybe at the time it wasn't a genre film and it was just like, wow, this is, this is yeah. so new and incredible. We've never seen somebody do a heist like this. And like, but yeah, but, but I don't now think that's even true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. And I think there were, there were a lot of crime films I mean, the then. Great train robbery. <laughs> great train <laughs> robbery. Uh, yeah. Like stealing shit has always been fodder for movies because it's like if, if you're the first in your genre are you a genre film yeah or you just uh, or a you precedent cr- setter or a genre creator you're a pioneer, you're a pioneer yeah. if anyone. all right well um let's just move on to my, my own review i think this i'm going to give this a seven and a half out of ten it's a good movie uh it's enjoyable uh it doesn't ha- it doesn't really have too many slow moments and the beginning is a little slow but mm-hmm. as soon as we get to the uh, the alarm in the in the basement it picks up and it gets interesting we meet all the characters and we're introduced to the plan and we know what's about to happen and then the the heist goes really i mean the heist is really cool there's a lot of great moments and I think it just, it keeps going from there and I actually do think it could get elevated more than a regular genre film it's obviously a heist film, but it goes into this crime ransom element wh- where we have the human side of the of the um, of the criminals. You know, and, and I'm, again, we see this all the time now with like Goodfellas and movies like that. Now, where we watch and we sympathize with the antihero, but I think this is actually pretty amazing how we have Tony, who does turn out to be somewhat of a good guy. He tries to save the kid, and we have Joe, the father, who's getting reprimanded for by his wife for what his life choices. So we're kind of seeing. Uh, the the consequences for their actions. It's not all just the glory of the diamonds and seeing them, you know, the heist. So I do like that they did try to do a little more with that. Um, I don't know. I I, I just it, it didn't it wasn't out out um, over the moon for. It. I just didn't really connect amazingly with it. I, at the end, I wasn't didn't hit home with me. It, it just didn't end on a great note. So that took away a couple points. But it is a really great film for so many just technical shots and sounds and the score is pretty great too. So it's something you should see. 
before you die. That's for sure. Well, while you were talking, I realized that there was, um, there was nothing that went wrong in the heist. And I think that is kind of like almost a, 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 you know, a, a template for like why this movie isn't great, why it's good, because like everything just kind of goes according to all these plans. Like, you know, the kid gets taken, but like, you know, that's not even like really a hiccup to most of them. Yeah, and then- that's such a great point, Sean, uh, because if you know the plan ahead of time, you can subvert the expectations and, and fuck with the audience. And actually, I thought this was going to happen when we ran into Cesar all tied up. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were going to get a moment where Tony was going to get into some trouble and Cesar was forced to watch or something. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of introduced to Cesar beforehand, knowing what might happen later. And But we didn't get that at all. So I was, yeah. was kind of disappointed with that. And I think you're right. It, it, it makes me think of the other great heist movies like Ocean's Eleven, where they did have some sort of flaw. You know, mm-hmm. the, the gymnastics guy, you know, just fucked up and went a little too far. Yeah. You know, the, these kind of little tiny moments of tension really sell the heist scene. And you're right, when everything goes perfectly to plan, yeah, there's not as much tension. It was almost like a long, built-up 20 minutes of silence versus these moments of roller coaster tension-filled moments. So, yeah, uh, and it wasn't like any like it was kind of cool to watch it unfold, but there wasn't any like moment-to-moment tension. You know, yeah. it was just like a procedure rather than an escalation of any sort of you know building. Now, I was just reading about the score here, too, because the composer did score that 20-minute sequence um, just in case. He said, I want to do it to protect the director, you know, to make sure the director would have options. But they both listened to it, and even the composer agreed just worked better without it. So yeah. mm. that was nice. I nice that they actually tried to put music there, but they realized it just worked without it, which is such a great lesson for filmmakers nowadays, honestly. Yeah. Everyone's just trying to put music into every little space and they don't realize you don't have to cram it into... Well, it's a cheat, mostly. Sometimes, especially when it's royalty-free now and everything is just, you know, so obviously to you know portray one emotion or one genre or one... You know, you have your spy music and you mm-hmm. have your tension-filled music and your mystery music. You know, it's everything. So I hate that nowadays where you just pull something off a sound library and throw in your film and say, oh, it, it works. It's a good way to make yeah. your movie not good. Yeah. It's a good way to make trash. Yeah, generic yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also a very easy way to take horrible and make it bearable. Well, if so you're like, making horrible, maybe you should be making phone calls for like a company or something instead. Uh, well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's why it's like become so <laughs> ubiquitous. It's because there's so much the technology is everywhere and everyone thinks they can make movies yeah. that when you make crap and you just throw music over it, it feels like you didn't make crap. Yeah. So long story short, half of you guys should give up. So Tim, how'd you feel about this movie? <laughs> um, so uh, what, what was this movie? You know, I picked it. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I picked it because it was French <laughs> and because I couldn't pick a Godard film. <laughs> yeah. Because we're still yeah. waiting for Godard. That is why yep. I picked this John, movie. Good job. Um, but, uh, but I did enjoy it. Um, but what is it? It's a heist film. It's a genre film. And what are genre films? They're soda pop, you know? Mm. There's, it, there's, it, they taste good. There's sugar mm, there, yeah. you know? It's bubbly, so you got bubbly. something to pay yep. attention to, you know? Yeah. But the point of the, of the product is not nutrition, right? Um, and so this movie, and enjoyment. this movie is LaCroix. LaCroix, <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's classic. There's a little bit of flavor there yet, uh, but you you kind of you have to be able to appreciate subtlety 
in order to yeah, like to that. get it. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's still a soft drink. Um, and still so, better than water. Yeah, I mean, I like Lacroix, man. Yeah, yeah. I prefer the off-brand shit because it's cheaper and it's still seltzer. But uh, uh, but yeah, you know that uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so you rate it Lacroix? Yeah, it's Lacroix. This movie's Lacroix. And I like LaCroix, you know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> are they getting money? Or are they are they, you getting money? With every mention, yes. Nah, yeah. nah uh-uh. But you know who should get money? Jesus the Christ. British History Podcast. That's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we couldn't go another episode without mentioning them. They well, lost. Give it up. Where, where are you at now? You're in the... Yeah, in the Jamie Jeffers, email me, man. <laughs> you're in like the, the Stone Age? What? what no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm actually in the age of what's known as the Brett Waldas. Um, and so uh, currently, Athelbert is... Uh, uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, never mind. Oh, oh so sorry. you're in like... Yeah. Oh, let me guess the yeah, year. Okay, can I guess? Yeah. 628. Very close. <laughs> Very close. You know, it was a dark... It So the dark ages refer more to the fact that time was murky, you know? They weren't writing things down. In the shadow of Rome, there well, was not much record-keeping. Yeah. There were Pinched printing coins. I don't like the and term so, dark angel. Oh, they so, were feathers. Very Eurocentric. So basically, it was because they had it's hard iPads. to nail down. It's hard to nail down a, <laughs> good, a good exact date for just about anything. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the accounts that we're hearing from are all subjective. They all had... Uh, they all had agendas, and they all also didn't care largely for exact dates. You know, is that just a long-winded bullshit way of saying you don't remember the date? No, actually, <laughs> didn't they have the Anglo-Saxon <laughs> Chronicle? Didn't they have it all written out, every king and all I'm the years? Pretty, pretty well. Like I don't know. You know, I'm Jamie, just, tell yeah. me, Jamie, write in. But uh, <laughs> Jamie writes to me. <laughs> all right, no, that's you got an issue, bro. <laughs> I just wanted to get pathetic with it. Okay, the Chronicle, was, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, was not made until the ninth century, late in the ninth century. So you exactly. write all that other by, shit by a fella named G something, right? Mick G. Mick G. Yeah, yeah, he's, Mick G. He's yeah good. it's Mick G. And that's Gettys. Mickey, Mickey G. Nope, that's uh. That's hey, Mickey G. Gettys is uh. Down. Directing a movie. I don't know. It was during the reign of Alfred Gray. Okay, uh, so next week we will be watching On the Waterfront. Really? Yes, we really? Will. That's cool. So what are we going to watch? You don't want to watch it? No, we're going we're gonna to watch it on the waterfront, but what are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? Yeah, we were going to do Abbott and Costello, but you but um, didn't even show up to the show. I am glad we did not show up for that. Yeah. Anyways, Elliot Kazan. No, you were Costello. You you screwed it up. We're going to get a boat, and we're going to watch it on the water. (sighs) Yeah. How long is this joke going to go? Elliot Kazan and and Marlon Brando, right? If I'm not mistaken. Our first Marlon Brando movie. He's an actor. Ava Marie Saint in her film debut. Uh Uh-huh. She was a real Buick. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. I don't understand it. I love it. Though. You don't understand it? Somebody's got to understand it. Send us in an email if you get that reference. Or just an email yeah. for any reason, please. Email me. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a reference from, uh, to spoil it, it's from North by Northwest? No, it's from like, I think it's from Lucky Number Slevin. No, oh, Jesus. That's your reference. Wow. Yeah. You thought the people of this podcast. A bit bit reference from like uh, uh, an off scene in Lucky Number Seven. That's certainly universal. 
So to uh, catch all of these universal references, check out all the other yeah, shows on the podcast network. We got the text before calling, literally, literary politinkering going down in the South Park. Uh, Wild Wild Westworld is kind of a show. Um, and then this one, Cellular Breakdown, which you know because you just listened to it. Uh, we're on the Twitters. We're on the emails. Find us, email at us, yell at us, do things. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe and, you know, rate things. And yeah, later. We did this for you. We could have been playing Magic. True. We're going to be playing Magic right now. What is that? Magic the Gathering? I don't understand. What it's a trading is. card it's game. It's a game. It's like, it's like Dungeons and Dragons.